Vincent Canby of the New York Times calls it inoffensive and sometimes funny. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times refers to it as an abdication of artistic responsibility at the lowest possible level of ambition. And Ian Nathan of Empire Magazine calls it nonsense but fun nevertheless, with a crazy ensemble cast of celebrities of the era. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the Cannonball Run. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. Welcome to another episode of Ruined Childhoods, your favorite podcast in which beloved movie franchises are discussed and celebrated and speculated upon in regards to potential sequels, remakes, reboots, adaptations, musicals, television series, or pretty much anything else that the powers that be want to do. I am Dan Wiener, one half of your hosting team. Hey, I'm John. I'm Dan's brother and excited to be recording this podcast. We've had, <laughs> we've had a couple of opportunities that slipped through our fingers to record this episode, but here we are making it happen. Yes. We, so, we are determined as ever. Yeah. And before we get into the Cannonball Run series, which, oh my God, are we excited to talk about the Cannonball Run series? Uh, a movie, well, well, I guess I say movies that neither of us had ever seen before. That's correct, right? Um. So... And yeah, we'll 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 talk about it a little bit more after we we talk about some news. But basically, I'm pretty sure that over the years, throughout my you know decades of watching HBO and turning it on randomly, or, or probably not even HBO, like like WPIX Channel 11, right? Uh, those those in the New York metropolitan area would know. I believe I have seen parts of Cannonball Run. And Cannonball Run 2, I don't know that I had ever seen either of them beginning to end in their entirety before. The, this is certainly not a franchise that we grew up with or no. have like a close emotional bond to and until now. Correct. And speaking of things that we grew up with, we got an email from a, a friend from our hometown, Cranford, New Jersey, Chris Dambola. Yeah, hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, so uh, Chris, who I'd noticed had been uh, liking our posts on our Instagram feed at Ruin Childhoods Pod. Uh, this is a long email. Do I just go ahead and read the whole thing? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Chris writes. I'm a bit behind, but forgive me. I just finished Masters of, Masters of the Universe, and I have strong, strong feelings. First, it was not a pile of garbage, John. You are a pile of garbage. Okay, fair. John, you're not a pile of garbage. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I suggest that maybe he watch it again. Like soon. I don't know. Anyway. Well, there's uh, a difference between a movie actually having the qualities that make a film a film of quality and the, and the qualities that make it fun to watch. Which clearly we find it fun to watch. 
So Masters of the Universe falls entirely in one category yes. and really not at all in the other. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So moving on, he says, second, one aspect that the Netflix documentary harped on was how basically the entire franchise is a sham because they took a toy first approach and cared zero percent about sensibility of characters and backstories. You didn't focus on this much except to shit on Beastman and other lackadaisical nomenclature. <laughs> Despite this, you highlighted appropriately the impact this had on our childhoods because you know what? When you are five to seven years old and playing make believe, do you know what uh, you name a gnarly character? Fucking Beast Man. I think it's a hel- right. I think it's healthy to sometimes throw away sensibility and create something grounded in nothing. I don't disagree. It's no. I mean, <laughs> we're going to talk about the cannibal run today. I mean, geez. sure. But to that, <laughs> I will also ever. say when you are canon films and you are trying to break through and make a quality major motion picture blockbuster, you should put a little bit more thought into those things. If you're going to refer to it as the Star Wars of the 80s and then put that quote on advertisements as though it was said by a critic, maybe go to some effort to make it a little bit more of that quality. Yeah. Um, And then moving on, he says, third on the future. I think it can only go one of three ways. One, serious. I'm thinking original Dolph Lundgren, Punisher, or later R-rated Wolverine. Uh, I'm imagining he means like Logan. Uh, elevate the entire yeah. movie to the candor embodied by Frank Langella and maybe get a little dark. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. I want to go Frank Langella all the way. Um, two, fun. You mentioned Thor, but I am thinking more Guardians of the Galaxy or Ragnarok level comedy with serious action in between. I mean, I feel like it was already kind of in that camp a little bit. I guess maybe take that and then add like significant budget and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess budget. Yeah. And then uh, three more fun. Think of the generation that this would be for. Is it to attract a new generation of kids? Maybe, but also fuck them. It's for us. 33 to 39 year olds. Plus, I should mention, uh, our generation in particular appreciates absurdity, though we are also burdened by a deluge of post-scary movie parody exhaustion. It would be a delicate balance. That's true. One thing you said stuck with me about how this battle has been going on for God knows how long. What if they all ended up back on Earth and for some reason had to assimilate, but then there was a catalyst to re-engage? Will Forte plays He-Man, who has lost all of his muscle but kept his bulk cut. (laughs) Maybe too much of MacGruber and a blonde wig. Love MacGruber, by the way. Have we talked about MacGruber? I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the pod. MacGruber is so good. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Chris says he tries to get a, get to the gym, but resents his trainer, Dolph Lundgren, uh, and only works out in a maroon speedo and boots. Chris, I don't. I imagine you haven't gotten to our Rocky Four episode yet because you will have some thoughts following up on that. Uh, in one scene, I love see, the idea, by the way, of Dolph Lundgren as He Man's personal trainer. Sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, In one scene, you see He-Man burying his cat in the backyard and discussing how he has coped with loss over the years. Then the camera pans out to show a couple other cat graves in one garage-sized plot for Battle Cat with the helmet sitting on top. Uh, Louis Anderson plays Skeletor that is completely given up and joined a bowling league in somewhere like Ohio where he effectively blends in. Uh, 
Wendy McClendon Covey plays She-Ra, but keeps getting distracted from the mission to pick up younger dudes as a stereotypical cougar. Love you both. Please keep ruining my goddamn childhood. Stay Cranford, Chris Dimble. Chris, thank you so much for writing. Hope it's okay with you that I just read that entire email on the podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know... Uh, yeah, if you ever, if anyone ever does email us and does not want their email read, please let us know. It but, should be the first um, line, like if not the subject line. What was interesting about what Chris was saying is it kind of reminded me of kind of something that I had been thinking because you know the original plot of the the hypothetical Masters of the Universe sequel that never happened with Dolph Lundgren and Franklin, mm-hmm. or actually it would have been not with Dolph Lundgren. I forget who was taking over, but anyway, he, uh, they do have to return to earth, but the idea about the assimilation, like how I like kind of like that, that humorous bit of the, you know, the attorneys trying to assimilate it, it kind of made me think of the Brady Bunch movie, <laughs> which I think is one of the most brilliant, adaptations of of one material and turning it into something totally different uh and and funny it's truly brilliant it's so good and i would love i i think a he-man movie in that vein would be <laughs> would definitely be interesting i like uh, um like i said i like chris's idea of of dolph lundgren i like the idea of wendy mcclendon and covey as um was it as she-ra mm-hmm. um so i I, that would be it would be a fun concept to play with. It feels a little more like a sketch. Uh, yeah, like a good quality sketch than a full length film. But then again, you know, I imagine some said the same about the Brady Bunch movie and really turned out to be a uh, <laughs> fine piece. Brady of work. Bunch movie is always a good time to watch. And it's and that's oh, yeah. one that falls into the category the, to the several categories of like just f- super fun to watch, but also just really really smart yeah and yeah. i guess it, it, just uh, one of the things i love about the brady munch movie and then i'll we'll move on because there are many things i love about it i love how the style of the film changes mm-hmm. when they're in when they're on the brady property because they're also when they're in the backyard it still looks like the, the show a set and when yeah. they're in the house it looks like the show but then as soon as they walk out the front door kind of leave the brady property it's so incongruous and and the style is the style just becomes like standard mid-90s Movie comedy style. There's a um, a song in that movie that plays at the end in like the Battle of the Bands. And it's like the neighbor kid, like his grunge band. And their band's oh, yeah. name is Phlegm. And the song always gets stuck in my head. And it's just them going, we are Phlegm. We are Phlegm. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that band fronted by the uh, um, one of the best actor names out there, Jack Noseworthy. <laughs> also of u five seven one i for, i'm i i know he he had a he had a few years where he was he was in a lot but jack noseworthy. noseworthy uh so moving on because we did not intend to talk about the brady bunch movie um and although i have no problem with it uh i want to talk about a few a few bits of news that we have in the in the prequel sequel uh reboot remake etc uh, categories. Um, 
According to the Bill and Ted Twitter account, Bill and Ted Face the Music will be coming out next summer. They announced that the day we're recording this, which is uh, Sunday, the 23rd of June. And uh, yeah, so next summer we can look out for Bill and Ted Face the Music. And in a similar Keanu Reeves universe, uh, there the Keanuverse. are the Keanuverse. There are rumors. There's nothing that's been like confirmed, confirmed, but um, a new Matrix movie is in the works and Michael B. Jordan is somehow involved. That is pretty much all that is known at this point. There is no information about exactly where it falls within the Matrix-verse, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. a prequel or a continuation of the stories or what, it, or maybe even just a reboot. So, I, I don't know. Dan, did you have any thoughts on this? Personally, I... I think they kind of exhausted. I think what happened was the Matrix came out in 1999 and was more than just a Keanu Reeves sci-fi action flick, a a Johnny mnemonic, if you will. A and it turned out to be like this like philosophical. There was all this, you know, there's all this philosophy. And then came the other two Matrix movies, which were like all right, let's really tap into all this philosophy and all this depth that people found in the first movie. And then let's just like kill it and overdo it. And I found like the, the second, like the second, um, and third matrix films, uh, matrix reloaded and matrix, um, revolutions, revolutions. I was like matrix rebooted, matrix, what (laughs) Matrix, matrix remastered, um, matrix 4k, uh, I feel like they've kind of they they've kind of exhausted it in that direction, but where there's still story to be told in that universe is prior to the original Matrix, and yeah. I've I've always felt you know we don't get much backstory on Morpheus. Mm-hmm. We get some hints of backstory from from the films, but we don't get a lot of backstory. We don't get backstory about you know. When did, you know, at what point did it become the Matrix? At what point, you know, how did this all happen? Who first kind of figured it out, like figured out, hey, we're in the Matrix. Right. So um, I feel like a prequel and and maybe it's who knows, maybe Michael B. Jordan is playing Morpheus or maybe he's playing some a, a new character. You know, he's of course he's, you know, he's uh He's he's huge right now, and he's yeah. also a very, very talented actor. Well, there's also so. the other question, um, not to talk too much about the Matrix uh, films, but what if Neo wasn't the first person they thought was the one, and maybe there was somebody else that they brought in, and it didn't work out so great? So The other one. The other, the original one. The this other is one. the one, but we all know, the first no, one. it's not. Uh, this is the one. It's not the one. It's a one. The other uh, bit of sequel news that I have, and this is less news and more of just like, hey, interesting information. But um, Space Jam 2 will feature players from both the NBA and the WNBA. Interesting. That's all. That's great. Yeah, of course. Now let's talk hey, about you know. the cannonball run. Oh, boy. Yeah, the cannibal, the trilogy, the Cannibal Run trilogy. I did not watch the third one. I watched the the first two. 
So, John, you know, so this past week, we'll give a little personal insight here as to what uh, this past week has been, at least on on my end, which has kind of held us from from recording. Um, so we moved. And that's moving. That's myself, my wife and our five year old finally, like completed this move that had been going on for weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is also for, for those new to the new to the podcast. I am a uh, language arts high school teacher and it was our week of finals. Oh, so man. wanted to make sure things were prepared for that. And, you know, the kids did presentations. It wasn't a whole big like study and take a test thing. Uh, but so I was preparing, you know, preparing for that and just kind of dealing with end of the year stuff and all this going on. And with all of this going on, so much of what I had to do was like clerical. It was like in my classroom, like cleaning, like opening up those big, those file cabinet drawers where I just pretty much dumped papers when I was like, oh, I have way too many copies of this. I can use this for next year. So it was a lot of sorting. And in my classroom, I have a setup where I can stream and I can watch movies. So over the course of this week and over the course of my various tasks of whether it was just like doing loads of laundry and folding, I managed to watch Cannonball Run. Oh, God. Cannonball Run 2 and Speed Zone, which is kind of the unofficial Cannonball Run 3. I think it was yeah. in some countries was released as like Cannonball Madness, was it? or So, and from Cannibal what I Fever, believe... I the only tie is the Sheik. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, Jamie Farr's character mm-hmm. is the only one, and he, he returns in a in a cameo. But other, uh, that and it's that they're oh, it's they're just running the cannonball race. Yeah, it's it's got he's it. got a couple of he's got a couple of moments, but yeah, with and <laughs> we'll get to Speed Zone. Speed Zone. I, I will say, I think all of these movies exceeded my expectations of how much mm. I would enjoy them. <laughs> Uh, not that there weren't quite a few things I found questionable and this definitely falls into the camp. This definitely falls into the camp of has a lot of qualities that make it a fun movie to watch, but not necessarily a lot that make it a piece of quality filmmaking. I'd say that plot wise, they're very loose. There, there's really not much as far as stakes go. Yes, there is a pride. The the plot of these movies is that there is a cross country race and the winner gets X amount of dollars. I know in the second movie, it's like a million or $2 million. Um, the first movie, I don't remember how much it is, but it's just a cross country race. And, you know, the characters that are there running the race, sure, they all have desires for uh, the money. And in the first one, it's it's mostly the the biggest stakes are really with Sammy Davis Jr. um, and Dean Martin's characters Mm -hmm. who owe a $30,000 gambling debt. I I think gambling debt. They owe a $30,000 debt to the mob. And yeah, yeah. so that's really the only (laughs) one that is really has a lot of stakes. I mean, JJ, who is played by uh, Burt Reynolds, I mean, just wants money. Yeah, I think it well isn't he don't they hire him to do it? Doesn't someone hire him to 
to do it. I, yeah, this is what happens when you cram three cannonball runs in the same week. It's, it's they all kind the of the thing blend is also together. it's hard to remember because if that is true, it doesn't come up at all anymore. No. Yeah. No. And uh, and paired with Burt Reynolds is Dom DeLuise, who plays Victor, of course. who also plays the like Don Corleone mob boss in the shadows. <laughs> Is it and Don Cannelloni? Yeah, Don Cannelloni. And it's, uh, you know, these movies are very silly and meta, and they they don't really fall within the rules of filmmaking um, or storytelling, for that matter. What's up? Yeah, no, it's funny because when I read... Um, going to take it back to Chris's email when I read Chris's email and he talked about the, that kind of the, the post scary movie overdose. I feel like cannonball run shares some DNA with those movies because it features a lot of very self-referential mm-hmm. meta uh, celebrity cameos. Yeah. Peter you know, Fonda, like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra play. They don't play Dean Martin and Frank, or not not Dean Martin and Frank Sandy, Sinatra. Dean Sandy Martin, Davis, Frank Sinatra does play Frank Sinatra in Cannibal yes. Run too, but Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. don't play Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. But they act like Dean Martin and right. Sammy Davis Jr. And in Jr. the second movie, they actually sing lines from some of their songs. So yep. it's just kind of like wink, wink at the audience, and it's like. We know we're not taking this seriously either. So you don't have to right. audience, you know, it's not, it's just that kind of thing. Um, I mean, and, and there's also in, in addition to, in addition to, to that, which I feel like that's kind of commonplace among a lot of movies in the seventies and eighties. And, and then really up through the, you know, scary movie at all, all the aftermath of that. But it, it feels like, and then there's also a lot of there's a lot of this like casually I don't want to say like racist and homophobic, but definitely r- racial like there are these kind of racy comments and jokes made. They're not necessarily offensive. I mean, I would say they're problematic. A few of them <laughs> the few of them. Yeah, they're problematic. The the objectification of women in these movies is, I mean, a selling point was a, was a marketing point for these movies. The yeah. fact that you have Adrian Barbeau in a, you know, with a leather jumpsuit with the, you know, zipper, right. You know, down to her navel or Farrah Fawcett who talks about not, not wearing plays, underwear, you know, not wearing mm-hmm. underwear. And she does not, she clearly is not wearing a bra under the very thin white t-shirt that she has on and she's basically just there to be a sex object for Burt Reynolds. Yeah. So the, the reason why she gets paired up with Burt Reynolds is because she is an environmentalist like activist and she kind of naively. She's a photographer. Is she a photographer? I know she's trying to save the trees. She's an environmental photographer. No, she just loves trees. She She loves loves that poem. She loves the poem. She loves trees. And there's this guy who is trying to stop the race because he thinks that cars are destroying the environment. And I thought he was a cop. No, he's not a cop. He's not. a. He wasn't a cop. So because I know he's I, the cannonball race is illegal. 
Right. So the cops are trying to stop it. That's actually a huge plot point in Speed Zone. Peter Boyle plays this like, you know, half crazy, half fascist or I don't know, I guess just 100 percent fascist um, like policeman who mm-hmm. I don't even know what he he does. But there's it's an illegal race. And yeah, so the, in the first one, it's the guy who wants to who wants to shut it, who wants to get it shut down. And yeah, I was, I wasn't really clear on how she ended up going with, with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. She ended up in his car because they needed, okay. So JJ and Victor, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, they figured that the best way that they can win this race is if they drive like an EMT like like ambulance type of thing because they got a siren. But in order to make it legitimate, if they get pulled over is to actually have a doctor and a patient in the back. It's really, really bizarre. So they find and the doctors. Ooh. Yeah. So Victor finds this doctor who's like this crazy guy. And JJ's like, I don't want to know how you found this guy. And, um, although he came in really handy when the cops did stop them and, yeah. They essentially trick Farrah Fawcett's character into being the patient. And then over the course of the uh, race, they form a bit of a relationship. So that's that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and then and, and, in the second one, she's no longer there. They are, what is, what are they? Oh yeah. They are in a, a military car. Uh, Burt Reynolds is dressed as like a general. Oh yeah. And Victor's like some sort of private and they are bringing a, they have a very highly radioactive nuclear something or other that they have <laughs> to get to the East coast or whatever it is. And, um, that's, oh yeah. And they take on these two who they think are nuns, but they're actually actresses who are in the oh, same yeah. music. It's, which is, uh, Mary Lou Henner and, um, Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. yeah. Sister of Dick Tracy. So <laughs> it's it's just so bizarre and it really all doesn't make any sense. It seems like it was all written in an afternoon and people were intoxicated, but it's good fun. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's and it's it's crazy. It's funny cuz we'll talk about kind of the the patterns of 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 the how how well they did at the box office, which is um, amusing. But if we're talking about just kind of ridiculous and absurd sequences from them, so Speed Zone. So Speed Zone was released in 1989. It bombed. It doesn't have a Rotten Tomato score. I had to find it on YouTube in order to watch <laughs> it. Like someone's like good dubbing of a VHS tape, as it appeared. So... Now, Speed Zone, I mean, it's really, it's just like all the other Cannonball Run movies. You know, there's the Smothers brothers are in it, but they play the, the, this other pair of brothers who are just like, you know, these really the wealthy other people. Brothers. The other, the others brothers. Um, and then, oh yeah, Cannonball Run 2, Tony Danza is in it. And I'm pretty sure his character is named Tony. Probably. Tony Danza, he, his character is in a car that is being pseudo driven by a, an orangutan. That yeah. flips people off. Yep. It's the same orangutan from Going Ape. So he and it's Tony true. Danza had worked together before. They have history. Yeah. 
so in, in Speed Zone, there's this part where the where the Smothers Brothers are on a plane and the stewardess is Brooke Shields, who I believe hmm. won a Razzie or was nominated for a Razzie that year for her performance. But I loved it. She's because she's Brooke. She's playing Brooke Shields. She's oh. like a cranky stewardess for this low rate airline. I, if you can find Brooke, like the Brooke Shields scene from Speed Zone. It's worth watching because she's like just this really sarcastic. She's really sarcastic. And she's and then the smothers was like, wait, aren't you? Aren't you? She's like, yes, yes, yes. And they're like, yeah, you're Brooks. And she's like, Brooke, it's Brooke Shields. And they're like, what are you doing as a stewardess? And she's like, well, after four years at Princeton, my professors thought that I needed to do something to get in touch with the real world. And hmm. like, this is it. And there's a so. And now, of course, this is humor that you could do in 1989. Not so much maybe now, but someone hijacks the plane. Ew. And 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 they, no, no, no. They hijack the plane and, and they're like, all right, this is a hijacking. This plane, this plane's going to uh, this plane's going to Nicaragua. And then one of the passengers goes, oh, do, do you think we could go to Costa Rica and say, no, let's why don't we go here? And they start naming all of these other Latin American countries the so the people on the plane aren't panicked at all. They just want to go somewhere else in Latin America, not mm-hmm. Nicaragua or El Salvador. It's it's one of the two where he says we're going, and then everyone's like, "No, let's go to Argentina," and, and which I know is not Latin American; that's South American. But we also it, need to talk about Roger Moore. Wait, hang on before we get to okay. Roger Moore. So. Just when you think this scene is like not going to get any more bizarre, Brooke Shields comes out with a food tray and like hits the hijacker and like or no, the the pilots come out. And by the way, the the plane is taxiing at, at this time hmm. or the, the like the, the plane is like it's taxiing on the runway and they. So now the pilot comes out, the the assistant, the co-pilot comes out, the navy, and they're all beating the crap out of the out of the hijacker with like Brooke Shields. And it's just it's so weird and random and funny. Uh, I couldn't believe it, but I was like, my God, this is actually funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes. So, yes, moving on to Roger Moore. Roger Moore also plays himself, but as if Roger Moore was James Bond. Like, well, but he, except his name is Sidney Goldfarb. His name is his name is Sidney Goldfarb. But he changed it to Roger Moore, and uh, yeah, and he was is, it that he was actually. I thought that he thought he was Roger Moore. Oh, you thought? See, I didn't get that impression from it. I thought anyway. that he thought he was Roger Moore because when he's talking to his mother, uh-huh. she's like, "Oh, Sydney, just it's, right." I didn't but, think he but was, he, I, but he drives. Who so cares? He drives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he drives like an Aston Martin and with all these like switches and whatever inside of it, and um, he's with these like Bond girl type women, and mm-hmm. uh, he's like super cocky and everything. Uh, what else was there? Oh yeah. Jackie Chan is in it and is one of, one of his first American yeah. roles, um, mm-hmm. playing a character named Jackie Chan, who is Japanese despite Jackie Chan being Chinese. And they drive the like super high tech Subaru that, uh, 
I don't know, can go underwater. Oh, no, it was that the second one with Peter Keel? That was Keel? the second one. Yeah, with Richard Keel. That Richard was the second Keel. one. Richard Keel, sorry. Because they, they played the Jaws music when the car went right. underwater. Yes. Because Richard Keel had played Jaws in the James Bond movies. Right. It's so... And Jackie Chan was apparently... T- apparently a lot of what was supposed to be Roger Moore's character got put into Jackie Chan's character for the second one. Yeah. Jackie Chan's yeah. character, Jackie Chan. It is such a weird meta oh, yeah. series of Jamie movies. Farr playing, Jamie Farr playing the Sheik. And do we know where he is from? Jamie, oh, with the Sheik, where the Sheik is from? Yeah, no, not where Jamie Farr is yeah. from. The Sheik is just from somewhere in the Middle the East. The Middle East. Yeah. The, from, from like... Arab country. <laughs> yeah, and and the Sheik is extremely wealthy, is being driven in a Rolls Royce across the country. Um, I mean, Jamie Farr, very, very funny. And Jamie Farr is of Lebanese descent, but is taking this Sheik character to the extremes. So that's another yeah, area he, where I was like, oh boy. They couldn't do this now. Yeah, I forget which uh, who it is that like when he he pulls up. Oh, they're getting takeout, and the girl who brings him the, the you know the the food, and he, he's like, "Have you ever thought of joining a harem?" Yeah. Um, and at <laughs> one point, he is. They do actually call him or refer to him as a camel jockey. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's, they refer to Sammy Davis Jr. as a chocolate monk at one point. Absolutely. It's extremely not okay. A lot of the language that's in this, these movies. So my, and, oh, and I guess just to talk briefly about box office, because like, why yes. were there three of these movies if they're so ridiculous? The first Cannonball Run, it was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1981. No kidding. Behind Stripes, which was at number five, the number one grossing movie that year was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. I mean, it it's kind of not surprising just because of the people who are in it. You know, you have a lot of star power. Um, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, who had already done Smokey and the Bandit um, with Hal Needham, the same director. And mm-hmm. Smokey and the Bandit is, I mean, plot-wise, extremely similar. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit is uh, Burt Reynolds... Who is uh, who takes on Sally Field's character, who's like a hitchhiker trying to get away from she's her. She's a runaway bride. Or she's a runaway bride. And she's a runaway bride. He is he and his partner are bringing beer f- over state lines. Through, or? Like, I think they need to get it through Georgia or th- like they, they basically need to transport beer through like <laughs> illegally uh, dry states. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, trying to get away from—is it Jackie Gleason who's the who's the cop, the Smokey? Yeah, Jackie Jackie Gleason. Yeah, yeah. And who, uh, yeah. Oh, I think his son was supposed to marry Sally Field. That's right. That's right. If I remember, so, I watched it not too long. I watched it right too. after Burt Reynolds passed. So did I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, so oh so back back to the box office of 1981. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So so um, our top five are Raiders of the Lost Ark. On Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur, and Stripes. Then you've got Cannonball Run beating out Chariots of Fire, (laughs) 
for your eyes only the James Bond mm-hmm. movie of that of that year um the four seasons and time bandits and then also that year just to put it in perspective are the original clash of the titans um R- Warren Beatty's Reds Mm-hmm. Mel Brooks, History of the World, Part One, The Great Muppet Caper, Excalibur, yeah. American Werewolf in London. A lot of, uh, you know, Escape from New York was mm-hmm. that year. So a lot of movies that have kind of stood the test of time and, you know, they might not have been the biggest money makers of that year. Thief is another, I think, classic uh, from from that year. But yeah, Cannibal Run number number six at the uh, you know at the box office that year, and it it opened um, opened June June nineteenth of that year uh, up against Superman two. Yeah, that was the only other new new release that week. It was Cannibal Run and and Superman two. Huh. Um, so and it's funny because Stripes for Your Eyes Only Great and Great Muppet Caper all came out the following week hmm. okay yeah and so can now cannonball run two begins this the the descent now cannonball run two had the misfortune of being released and i just want to make sure about this but i'm i'm almost certain that uh cannonball run two was released on June 29th, um, sorry, yeah, June 29th, 1984, um, one week after The Karate Kid. And so that's, uh, and uh, let's, I mean, that's this week will be its anniversary. How many weeks? And then a few weeks after Gremlins and Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, June 1984 was, I guess, not a good month to be released if you were not like an instant classic. Right. I mean, I do believe, though, that Cannonball Run 2 is the final feature film with Frank Sinatra. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, considering Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin are also in it, it's like the last pseudo Brat Pack movie. Well, rat, rat, pack. rat pack. Oh my God. I was so afraid I was going to say the so, wrong one was, too. Is An- was Anthony Michael Holland? No, well also Probably. Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine was a, was an honorary rat packer. Is that true? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. No, Shirley MacLaine was kind of part of that, part of that whole crew, you know, the, you know, Vegas and, yeah. and all that. But yeah, so 1984 um, is when Cannonball Run 2 comes out. And despite all of these these things, it lands number 32. It is beaten out by The Last Starfighter at <laughs> number 31. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, like the top movies that year, Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Police Academy, the original yeah. at number six. Um, and then let's see, where did Speed Zone land? Oh boy. On, now, of course, now what's funny is Speed Zone was released in 1989, where the top mm-hmm. movies of that year are, the let's Batman. see, Batman, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right. Lethal Weapon 2, Ghostbusters 2. So it's like, it's kind of like Cannonball Run is just not d- doing well. And Speed Zone ends up not even in the top 100. It ends up, I want to say, at like 120. Uh, oh, wow. 
it yeah it did not let's see oh yearly 19 131 it it yeah it it was placed at 131 1931 wow yeah and it was released april 21st 1989 and yeah <laughs> um yeah so dan yeah, what John. would you like to happen with this franchise well and you know and this is kind of a question that i wanted to to ask you and see what your thoughts were because the first thing as i was watching original cannonball run and thinking about you know oh wow like back in the 70 you know 70s and 80s like you could do a movie like this not even with all the you know the non-pc jokes and all that honestly you could get rid of that and still have a movie oh yeah but I was like all of the kind of self, like the meta jokes and everything, the humor really relied on this kind of universal celebrity. The fact that like, okay, everyone knows who, who that Charles Nelson Riley is in Cannonball Run 2. And it's Charles Nelson Riley was not like necessarily an actor. He would just be Charles Nelson Riley in a costume being Charles Nelson Riley. Like it's mm-hmm. the, Alec Baldwin's impersonation of, Charles Nelson Riley is so spot on. <laughs> but my my question was does does the does Cannonball Run have a place in entertainment today? As 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 like as a movie, as a film, does it have a place? I mean, I kind of felt like now's a pretty good time to reinvigorate this series. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that also there are plenty of opportunities to get really meta with it and to just have a lot of fun with it. And uh, do you mind if I go ahead and kind of. You go ahead. I'm curious to see where you landed on okay. this because. So, I, yeah. So what I was thinking is, and this is somebody we've mentioned before uh, in the role of director, but this would be director and lead role like in the Burt Reynolds role. So if th- this is I'm thinking a reboot slash like pseudo sequel. You know, uh-huh. it's like the Cannonball Run race hasn't been done in X in 30 years and It is back. The actual Cannonball Run race is happening. Oh, is it actually happening now? This is a re- it's a real I know, thing. I know it's a real thing, but I thought that they did the last one before the movie was made. No, I think it's come back. I don't know if it's still a cross country race, gotcha. but it it is still a thing. I I actually think that there was like a like a documentary style TV series on it, starring I think Bill Goldberg hmm. might have been the uh, former pro wrestler and auto enthusiast Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I was thinking something. It could be directed by Dax Shepard who did hit and run and chips and is mm-hmm. I think really good at the just like fun comedy. Um, and, and I think this would have to be like an R rated comedy, which is kind of becoming a thing again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if we have somebody like Dax Shepard uh, behind the wheel, if you will, and then we get oh. people and then we get people involved and clearly there can be plenty of other 
you know, actors doing their thing. But in the Roger Moore role, you could have Daniel Craig doing it. Uh, you could have Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in there. I'm, I'm trying to think of people who were in movies <laughs> where they are drivers. So Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are maybe a pair. Uh, maybe would you have they, them as Team Shake and Bake from Talladega Nights? Either, either yes, or they would be so similar to those characters and have a very similar catchphrase. How about what if you had, what if you had Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels as one of the pairs? I thought about like, that. As, they're like in the dog. They're car? like the. No, maybe not in the no. I'm th- I'm th- I'm thinking with them a little less like Dumb and Dumber, a little more like either they're like the two dads of an engaged couple, or 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 they're a couple. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I've also got Jay Leno and Jerry Seinfeld. Perhaps they are drinking coffee <laughs> in cars. Yeah. Uh, would you bring back Jackie Chan and team him up with Chris Tucker, or perhaps Jet Li? It depends. Is it rush hour? Uh, we could have Frankie Muniz in there driving one of the, uh, Fast and Furious cars. Frankie Muniz? Yeah. From Malcolm in the Middle. You hear he like, oh, he's like a car racer now and he like bought no, one of the I cars no from Fast and the Furious. Yep. It's true. I had no uh, idea. Another, another thing I was thinking, you can get John Hamm in a Mercedes and Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln since they are the voices of those two <laughs> car companies. Yeah, just do like stuff like that where it's like people you would actually want to see in these movies, but they're there for these like goofball reasons. But damn, wouldn't McConaughey make a great kind of uh like a JJ, a new I feel like Burt he's Reynolds. a little old for a JJ. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. See, I thought so <clears throat> And I don't want to interrupt you. I won't start on my Oh, no, I've just (laughs) had like a list of other people I would want to see in it, but none of them are as like fall into that meta category. I think so. So so here's where I'm going with this. And man, did my my head went in a million places. Uh, So uh, so I was thinking so for you know, I was thinking along the same lines, you know, Will Ferrell and uh, you know, kind of like doing those pairs. I was thinking if you were going to try to have a JJ McClure, a like kind of male that male lead character, and I think Dax Shepard is great. I think Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. who could use something that's not Deadpool right. or Detective Pikachu. Um, so I thought like, I thought it would be a decent thing for Ryan Reynolds to do Uh, creatively. I had been thinking perhaps of like broken lizard as Mm -hmm. a team to, to shepherd this to the screen. And I was kind of thinking about the nature of it. And I was like, what would make me really excited to watch a, like a cannonball run and what, what could what format, what casting, what creative would allow it to be that like meta. And I really, I don't know. I think that this should be a, a happy Madison production. I would imagine. So, so think about, I mean, for Netflix, okay, for Netflix, because I mean, 
what's going to get people to watch it? What if you have like, what if you just kind of pepper it with SNL vets? I mean, what did it get Mike Myers and Dana Carvey in a car together? You know, um, you know see if you can get Eddie Murphy, you know, get Chris Rock, you get David Spade, uh, you know, Steve Buscemi, Keenan and Kel. Yeah, right. Half of them is SN is from SNL, you know, and then with 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 that, you know, with, um, you know, with Adam Sandler, you can get, you know, Drew Barrymore. Um, and then it doesn't just have to be SNL vets. Like, what are the weigh-ins is <laughs> up to, you know, right? <laughs> like there's so many and like new people, you know, your Leslie Jones, your Kate McKinnon's, um, your Maya Rudolph's, Rachel Dratch, uh, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Get yeah. them in there for a cameo. Why not? They play banjos. Um, I would love it. What if you got Bill Murray and Chevy Chase? Oh, my God. <laughs> Does anybody – I don't know if that if anybody would be comfortable enough for that. That's – I. Th- the only way I would be interested in seeing it with Chevy Chase is if he was going to be stuck in a car with Bill Murray. And, <laughs> but – I don't know. I was just kind of thinking, I was thinking about that. And I was also kind of trying to think, I was like, all right, well, who, who else, what other companies well, have well, just one, partnerships? Just one, one, one thing to add to that. If you, if it's a happy Madison production and you're talking about people driving in a car, you have to have the O'Doyle family. You have to have, right. You got to throw in the O'Doyles, <laughs> get Carl Weathers. Come on. Sure. There's so much. Um, but I, I don't know. I was just kind of thinking, I was like, man, uh, like I, just get like a classic like SNL sure. movie <laughs> with with just like you know and it doesn't have to just be SNL people but and then the the other thought that I had and this is more of a like okay how how would something like this realistically happen whoa, whoa. hold and, on one more second you know who is going to win the race though Toons is the cat Toons is the yes <laughs> holy shit yeah Tunes has to win. Yeah, except then he drives off the cliff. He just yeah. drives off the Santa Monica Pier at the end or wherever He's is about to like punch his card because that's how you uh, actually get your time is you punch a card. He's about to punch the card, but he drives off a cliff instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, I, I think I would love, and it, it doesn't, it, it wouldn't, doesn't have to be necessarily that like, you know, SNL specific, but I think that's a way that it could potentially happen. And I know also, I think um, WWE films is now working with Netflix and I know like Adam Sandler, who's by the way, has adapted Burt Reynolds in the past with the longest yard. Not that that was the greatest movie ever. uh, Also worked with a lot of uh, WWE guys in that. So I, I, I think that kind of expands your, your, kind of casting ability if you're doing it for for netflix but if you're going bigger screen then i would say if you're going big screen i i think you know going in that direction maybe seeing uh you know who uh, whether it's a a dax shepherd jonah hill maybe uh involved creatively on this uh the 21 jump street movies i think are great now i was just talking about those movies the other day they're so good they're really a lot of fun. They really are. Really lot, very, the, very clever. They managed to do kind of like what the Brady Bunch did, but not yeah. what the Brady Bunch did. <laughs> right. It, it it gave you hints of the the those like insider jokes with the camp with certain cameos, like Peter Delaware's. Oh, yeah. 
The Peter Deloise, the, the cameos are so good. Talking about Dom Deloise, Peter oh. Deloise in 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Captain Chaos. Would you bring back I Captain would, Chaos? Like, Definitely not. No. It's yeah. so dumb. Uh, well, the, the whole thing with, with, with Dom Deloise's character, especially in the first one, is I'm like, this is not someone who seems like this is not this is someone who's being taken advantage of. He doesn't seem mentally. No. All uh, there. You just made me think of something. So uh. at the in the end credits, there is famously a blooper reel. And oh, it yeah. begins with uh, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise cracking up so hard and Dom DeLuise is laughing so hard that Burt Reynolds is just like slapping him around and the state, the sketch comedy group, the state did a complete like remake of that. And I think that the people behind the state need to be involved with this. So John, uh oh, I was going to ask you if you were aware of this, but, and I'm, I'm quoting here um, to a bit of news found on on i want to say imdb but uh on june 4th 2018 it was announced that doug lyman was in early talks to direct the film uh a cannonball run uh remake or reboot from a script by thomas lennon and robert ben Garrett. oh my god yep all right now i don't know if the, i don't know if anything has moved forward on that but well, what's also funny about that is that i was even thinking about them because uh one of the people i was going to mention would have been lindsay lohan from herbie fully loaded which was written by them i didn't realize they wrote herbie fully loaded i they never did. saw herbie fully loaded but i don't think i did either but they wrote it okay well <laughs> there you go i mean you know they they've written a lot of you know big movies Night at that the aren't museum. quite yeah yeah so I think they even wrote. Did they write a book about um, making <laughs> writing movies for fun and profit, something like that? Yeah, something something I, like that. I yeah, read I wanted it. to good. read it. Yeah, I mean, I I like them. I'm a I'm a you know big fan of the state. Reno nine one one. Thomas Thomas Lennon. <laughs> yeah, in general, Ken Reno, really fun. Uh, Ken they're Marino, all, they're all amazing. Well, okay. Joe Trulio, Ken. Ken Marino is involved with this. So um, I was talking about the Netflix WWE partnership and they're doing a movie called The Main Event, which is going to co-star Ken Marino and Adam <laughs> Pally. Oh, no way. Who, I love Adam another, Pally. Another, yeah, he's another. I like an actor who would be who'd be great in the, uh, you know, in that. Oh, you know who they should get to play the, instead of Roger Moore? Um, you said Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. They sh- it should be like I. Idris Elba. I know I said, I feel like I'm mentioning his name every week, but I'm like somebody who had, they've always talked about like, oh, this guy would be the perfect bond. And then they don't like never like him or Clive Owen uh-huh. or like someone who everyone thinks played James Bond, but didn't like a, I probably Clive Owen would fit that. Right. Uh, so, well, anyway, but anyway, yeah. So Ken Marino. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of ways that, that you could go, a lot of ways that you could go with, with a new cannonball run. But I think just kind of the idea of just, Hey, there's this race, it's illegal. And, and, and you add in all the, you know, modern technology and, you know, all that 
apps and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just takes on a new, takes on a new dimension. I agree. It should be, I, I think it should be R rated, although none of yeah. the other Cannonball Run movies are, are R rated. So, but I, but somehow I think it's just, if you're going to do it, I think you're also not making it for the kids today. You're making it for yeah people who are old enough to go see R rated movies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I don't know. I, yeah. I think it will be fun to have Cannonball Run pop up again and Hey, maybe the, the one written by Ben Garant and Thomas Lennon will happen and then we'll be very happy. Yeah. I would, I'd be, I'd be interested. And if either of them are listening to this, if you want to incorporate some of our amazing ideas, you know, give John Hamm a call, put him in the, Mar- put him in yeah. the Mercedes, see what happens. Throw John Hamm in that Mercedes, put McConaughey in the Lincoln and let yeah. him, let it ride. Just let him, don't even write their lines. Let them just do their no. thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So... The other thing that we've been doing is for the month of June, we've been recasting the films of June Squibb, and we've just been recasting the th- the the um, the top build characters. And this episode, we are recasting the main characters from the Age of Innocence. The, the Martin Scorsese 1993 classic. Costume drama. Um, it is the story of, and I don't know their characters' names, but Daniel Day-Lewis is engaged to Winona Ryder and uh, eventually married to her, but uh, he and Winona Ryder's cousin have a very deep passion for one another, and she is uh, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's always, it's just this like unrequited thing. And Winona Ryder is like kind of knows, but doesn't want to, I don't know, ruin the whole thing. Anyway. Yeah. Watch it if you want to. I didn't. (laughs) I, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen it before. I know it's very pretty. It looks. Yeah. Very nice. I always felt that that Winona Ryder was just a little out of place, and it she 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 does she does a fine job, but it was so, just a lot of place. Dan, there. who would you put in those three roles? Okay, so let's start with the um, and it, this takes place, by the way, in in I want to say it takes place in in New York, in New York City, in the like 19th century. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, late, um, late 19th century. Because I was trying to remember if Daniel Day-Lewis, like what accent he used <laughs> for this. And I think he's just, he's straight up American. And they, and they are, they are socialites to give you just some more context. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Um, so let's see. So starting in the Daniel day Lewis role. He plays New, he plays Newland Archer, not Starling Archer. Um, Newland Archer. Daniel Day Lewis has the best character names. <laughs> what's his name in in uh, Phantom Thread? Uh, Woodcock. Um, what's his yes. first name though? I don't remember the Reynolds, first name. Reynolds. Re- Reynolds Woodcock. So good. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't know. I had I had some trouble. I had trouble thinking about this without watching it um mm-hmm. 
but I, 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 my pick for, I guess for the Winona Ryder role, I, I guess the first name that popped into my head was Emma Stone. Okay. Who I guess I could also see her. I think she, I, 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 it would be funny because I would, I would almost love to see a Emma Stone, Rachel Vice reunion here. I, yeah. With the, the favorite is what we're referring to. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I thought something similar, but I decided to go in a different direction because, because we're actually recasting this movie for a, a yeah. modern, you know, reboot. So it, it, I decided to go in a different direction. So what, what did you actually put down? Oh, my, my actual picks for this, it was, well, I kept Emma Stone in the, uh, in the Winona Ryder Mm -hmm. role and in the Michelle Pfeiffer role, the Countess, Countess uh, Olenska, her name is in that, Man, I was like, I don't know. I was really stuck on someone to, on like, who I felt. Maybe it's because I just didn't remember the the role that well. But uh, I was I was thinking of, um, and I, I forget her name, but she was she played the eldest daughter on Downton Abbey. Um, is it Jessica Brown Findlay? I don't know. But I know who you're talking about. Um, okay. I think she would. I think she would be good. Oh, Sophie Turner would also, I think, be decent in, in that that Winona Ryder Emma Stone. She does. She's kind of good at the like, you know, kind I'm of just mysterious. Trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And for da- for I'm <laughs> like for Daniel Day Lewis for for the role of of Newland Archer, I suppose. Um, I'd be, for some reason, Joaquin Phoenix keeps popping into my really? head and I don't know, I'm like, I would love to, that would be an interesting take a, uh, you know, a Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, as Newland Archer in a, in that like Daniel Day Lewis role. You don't think he's a little old? Oh, I guess considering so. the I other guess. people you're, you're casting here. Man, uh, so I guess Jeffrey Rush is out. Okay. Jeffrey uh, Rush is a contender. <laughs> I don't know. Put him in the makeup chair. Jeffrey Rush can do anything. No, I don't. You know, I don't know, John. It's like Age of Innocence is... Okay. Shit. <laughs> I so give up. What do, you, what do you have? For the Daniel Day-Lewis character, um, I put Ryan Gosling. Oh, right. James McAvoy. That's James McAvoy would also be of. good. I was trying That's to think trying of... Who could be that like charming, wealthy, young, you know, I don't know, uh, just socialite. And, and Ryan mm. Gosling, I felt, you know, he he just kind of nails that kind of stuff. Um, what for about the Christian Reno- Bale? Too old. Too old? Yeah. Uh, for the Winona Ryder character, I thought Alison Brie, the kind of like... Um, she's, I feel like she's played this kind of character before where it's, uh, you know, she, uh, she has the, the, there's the plan and she's got to stick with the plan. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Trudy Campbell. It's her Mad Men character. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but she's done a lot since then and grown as an actor. And I thought that, yeah, oh, yeah. why not? And then for the Michelle Pfeiffer character, I was thinking Brie Larson. So Allison Brie, Brie Larson. Yeah, why not? Team Brie. Team Brie. Yeah, okay. because I was also thinking Emma Stone for the Michelle Pfeiffer character, but I was like, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, I think we're done with that. Yeah, we're done with that. We've done it twice. We're good. Yeah, I'm good. Good on that. Good on that combo. Um, anyway, thank you all for bearing gonna- with us in our month yeah. of June squib recasts. It was a weird idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. We went with it. So um so anyway, so John, uh would you like to share what we have coming up on our we're we're out of squibs. We're all squibbed out. Yeah. So, so for the next episode, and this one will likely come out um either mid or late July. Uh we're taking a little bit of a summer hiatus, but we will be back in full force uh, come August because we are going on a little family trip and I am bringing the (laughs) microphones with me. So we will have plenty of time to record. Who knows who's going to pop in on these episodes? Who knows? But for the next episode, we will be talking about the uh, classic film that you probably watched on Comedy Central, uh, Summer School. Summer school, yeah. yeah. Summer Harmon. school will be in session. Summer school Good will be in Mark session. Mark Harmon, Kirstie Alley. Yep. Uh, it's it's a movie that I remember watching hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it is truly bizarre and ha- and problematic. But we will talk about that on the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, and uh, you know the teacher in me very. Very excited right. to talk about. I feel like, yeah, and I don't know if I should be admitting this, but like I do feel sometimes like my style is is Mr. Shoop-esque. So. Oh, boy. I'll be bringing you the educator's perspective on summer school when <laughs> next we speak. Cool. Well, if anybody has any any thoughts, please email us, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Uh, check out yes. our Instagram at ruinedchildhoodspod. And uh, yeah. That's what I got. You got anything else, Dan? Nothing else. Nothing else from me. No, I just just a, a good journey to you all as we go cannonballing off into the sunset. <laughs> good journey, everybody. Good journey. Good journey.